A day later and the Bengals in that win column, do we need to adjust expectations for this team, at least in the near-term future? Let's get into it. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host Jake Lisko. He's your host James Rapine. We're going to get into what we've learned about this team through three weeks and what has become apparent with the realities and challenges this team faces earlier this year. I'm Jake Lisko. He's James Rapine. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network on Lockdown Bengals covering your team every day. You can find this podcast on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts. And when you subscribe, that makes it really easy to become part of that first listen club, to become an everyday. And we appreciate every single one of you who doesn't miss an episode and who makes us your first listen every day. And let's start, James, with a journey back in time to last night, way back. And this Bengals offense that could have been better than it was for sure. They had some drops that cost them. That crazy Akello Witherspoon interception ended what looked like a very promising drive that could have led all of these things to more than 19 points. And Joe Burrow said this himself after the game. The offense does need to be better. They crossed the 50 numerous times in this game, had to settle for a lot of long field goals. Evan McPherson kicking five field goals from 40-plus yards, I think two or three of them. From 50-plus yards, I can't remember three. the exact specifics now. Three. He made, yeah, two of three. From 50-plus? 50 53 or more, yeah. it's So they were deep. They weren't even just 50. So yeah, You would like to see them finish those drives. This is something they were great at in previous years. But how much do previous years matter at this point is, is really the question. And how do we have to recalibrate what we're looking for from this team? Because – Joe Burrow is clearly limited and will be dealing with this calf for at least the near-term future. Hopefully that's all it is, right? It's just a few more weeks of this. Hopefully he continues to get better. They can, can slowly open things up. But last night, still you saw the heavy emphasis on the quick game that we've seen from this team through a couple of games this year. I don't think this is exactly who they wanted to be on offense this year. But when you've got a quarterback who's missing a lot of time in practices – and is dealing with an injury that's clearly limiting him, you have to do things differently. You do. And you know what? This is like, as you were describing this, and we've seen this for the past two years, when you have a a, vital, a, a big flaw and you have to scheme around it, well, it makes it tough. And in recent years, for the most part, it's been the offensive line. It hasn't been Joe Burrow. Well, right now, it's Joe Burrow's injury and him being limited and not wanting to them, not wanting to to push it, risk it while also keeping him comfortable, upright and, and as clean as possible with Aaron Donald, by the way, which is, is really tough. And it doesn't get much easier this week with Jeffrey Simmons. And, and so th- that's, that's the, the handcuff, so to speak. So for the past two years, it's been, man, this offensive line can't protect now, I don't think that's the case. I think it's Joe Burrow has them scheming around him a bit. 
That said, let's be very, very clear, or I will at least, he gives them their best chance to win. I don't think it's close. I know they have to adjust things. Guess what? You adjust things for great players, and, and that's what they're doing. And he made it work yesterday, and, and I thought on Monday night, the, the thing just looking back, and I know he had the one interception, but there weren't many turnover-worthy throws. And, there and were zero is, turnover-worthy it, throws. It, so there you go. Um, and, and it was just a heck of an interception, to be fair. Yes. And, and, and so that is the game plan for Joe. I think he'll gradually get better. That's the hope. And so you can slowly uh, un- unravel it a little bit and-, and roll out a little bit more of the game plan at the same time. I think this week in Tennessee, it's going to be similar. And I know this coaching staff, I know this roster, they know that it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be hard to, to go to Tennessee. And, and I'm not just talking about the Titans to, to deal with Arizona winning in the NFL when everyone knows that you're limited on offense and how you're limited and how to, what to take away. It makes it really, really tough. That's why some of these playoff games, the past couple of years, they've been ugly. Why? Everyone knows the offensive line's a flaw. This is different because it's burrow and it's him being limited, which is technically a flaw because of an injury. And so teams are going to try to exploit that, which means take away the short stuff, try to get pressure on him and, and, and try to make him push the ball downfield, which clearly he isn't comfortable doing right now. Maybe he'll be more comfortable on Sunday and, and they'll do it. I mean, they, they did call the go ball on the first play of the game uh, uh, on Monday night. Like I, I think they have some bullets in the chamber, so to speak, but I, I think there's only so many and you just don't want to expose them too much. And the entire offense is limited. It's not just the passing offense. The running offense is limited when you can't get under oh, center. Sure. They, they figured it out last year from shotgun. They're trying to do a little bit in the pistol. We started to see a little bit of that in this game. There's wide zone out of pistol. There was play action off a of pistol in this game. They're getting creative, putting Jamar Chase in the backfield with Joe Mixon to try to open some things up off of that. They've got a lot of that on tape, a lot of tendencies to either build on or break from that look. So they're trying all these different things. The running game does need to get going. And I know that, you know, they had some called runs that were RPOs that turned into passes in the game, but the the run pass split for an injured quarterback was, we talked about this last night, pretty crazy. 51 dropbacks against 20 designed running back carries. And, And the run game was working early in this game when it wasn't an obvious run situation in the fourth quarter. And it's very hard for... 90% of teams, 95% of teams to run the ball in the obvious run situations in the fourth quarter to kill the clock. The Bengals, not one of those teams that can consistently do it right now, especially out of the shotgun constantly, especially when you're going against Aaron Donald, who's in the second half really taking over that football game. But the running offense does need to be better. And the one thing that they took a huge step in the right direction for this week Maybe not the one thing, but one very significant thing, maybe the most important thing outside of Joe Burrow playing and getting out of the game healthy and playing pretty well, not perfect, but at a reasonable level, had some drops that really hurt his stat line, was a usage of Jamar Chase and the creativity around Jamar Chase. He is your most dynamic player on offense. T. Higgins, great player. Tyler Boyd, great player. Joe Mixon, having a really good season, good player. You've got all these guys that are are good players for your team, but Jamar Chase is a guy who is terrifying defenses 
mm-hmm. and is and is a guy who can punish them when you get him in space. And the Bengals did a much better job of that in week three. Yeah, they did. There's no denying that. And I think it's uh, it's something that they're going to have to continue to do. Find a way to get the ball to, to your playmakers. And T. Higgins should have had a huge night also. Like he he was in position, and I think he's going to to certainly play better moving forward. I know he's taken a lot of heat on social media. I think T will be just fine. I do, and and we'll talk about the offensive line coming up. One of the limitations you mentioned is is the running game. I think it's clear now, and and I was higher on Chase Brown. Clearly, he's just not there yet. I, I thought he would be and would contribute. Travion Williams, you're not really seeing it as a runner, uh, certainly. Uh, Chris Evans inactive. I think they need a running back, Jake. <laughs> I think they need an answer at running back. They don't have a number two. They they don't. And, and we could say, oh, well, it's this guy for this or this guy. They don't have a true number two running back. And, and that's that's tough. That that, you know, that makes it even harder when you want to lean on the run game because you have one guy that you trust. You know what really magnifies that is that Drew Sample was the third down running back for much of yeah. the game. Against the, and it worked. Don't get me yeah. wrong. This was a great move by the Cincinnati Bengals coaching staff. You give them a lot of credit for that. He held up in pass protection when he needed to. He made a man miss on his check down catch, and that play just yeah, lives in my head like Josh Tupo's tackle of Lamar Jackson in the open field and will continue to remain in my head in the same way. It sets up that easy fourth down conversion. It doesn't lead to anything, but what a play for Drew Sample to give the coaches a little bit of confidence if they need to go back to that well, but it does magnify the running back depth thing need one. They need one. I, and I don't know if they trade for one or what, because even if Burrow's healthy, th- this would be the main topic for the offense. And it's just hidden now because we're talking about the quarterback, yeah. but that is a big, big flaw, big question that so far has, has been a negative answer. And, uh, and let's go ahead. Very tough to address in season. You're right. Let's talk about this offensive line a little bit more a night later, a day later with some reflection under our belts. Let's talk trenches coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors has partnered up with fantasy football host Vinny Iyer here on the Locked On Podcast Network to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. Let's see who we've picked out for this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And Rams wide receiver Puka Nakua, well, he went off in the first two weeks of the NFL season. Ten receptions in his debut, 15 receptions in week two. The Bengals bottled him up on Monday night. Just five catches, 72 yards. One of those was in garbage time or glorified garbage time. But I think he bounces back this week against the Indianapolis Colts, who are giving up the eighth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers this season. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows the championship team is all about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly from brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit, guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash so if you're like me and you drive a daywoo on the weekends when it's 
time to have some fun or a Corolla every single weekday, or you're like Jake with the Mercedes Benz, eBay guaranteed fit is perfect for you. Check them out today. eBay, ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply. James, let's talk trenches. We came away from the game last night thinking that they held up and they mostly did to be fair in their defense. They, they mostly did. Cordell Volson with a glaring 0.0 pass block grade from Pro Football Focus has been a topic of conversation around Bengal circles on the internet, probably in offices around Cincinnati as well. That one stands out. And, and Aaron Donald is going to get his. I get that. We talked a little bit about Volson last night. It's been a bit of a recurring theme for Cordell Volson, who despite the addition of Orlando Brown and the continuity with Ted Karras hasn't had that second year leap yet that we were hoping to see, at least in terms of consistent productivity, there have been a handful of plays in each game that have really stood out. And I know there have been challenges with some of the quality of competition. Cleveland really upgraded their defensive line. Baltimore doesn't really have the horses and there were still a couple of plays that really stood out. Uh, in the wrong direction for Cordell Volson. That is a big topic. Jonah Williams, though, stringing together some consistent games at right tackle. And while it wasn't perfect for Orlando Brown at left tackle, he's clearly a step in the right direction, in my opinion. And, and you've got the consistent veteran presences that you can rely on to be at least average in Alex Kappa and Ted Karras. So with all of that said, James, given what we've talked about with Joe Burrow with this running game, I termed it as DEFCON level, where the lower the number is, the worse it is, I think. I think that's how DEFCON works. Where's your DEFCON level for this Bengals offensive line right now? Oh. So so the lower the worse. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not low on the line at all. Am I understanding right. so what yeah, yeah. DEFCON one in, in like actual Yeah. In DEFCON 5. Is, yeah, DEFCON 1 is like panic. war imminent. Yeah, yeah, DEFCON yeah. 5 is normal peace time. Yeah, well, then it's DEFCON 5. Okay. We, we, we've went through the nuclear wars the past two years, all right? <laughs> Joe Burrow, yeah, he's he's dealing with an injury right now. It's not because of the offensive line. I, I think it's DEFCON 5. Now, I, I know some worry about Cordell Volson. I, I'll tell you this. I'm more worried about RB2. And them finding someone that can actually can you imagine if Mixon had to miss a game? What the hell what, what they would do? I it's it's wild. It, it, and I'm not saying he's been amazing, he's been good, but I, I just what they have behind him has been rough. So I of the two, like if, if you're saying Cordell Volson, are you more concerned about him or are you more concerned and now I'm singling him out about the RB2 spot and someone emerging? It, it's the latter for me. Uh, no, DEFCON five. I don't know why. That threw me off, especially with the hat I'm wearing, ready to go now. And I, I do think, um, I do think they're going to be just fine in the trenches. That doesn't mean that Cordell Volson's going to be perfect, or any of these guys are. But to me, Orlando Brown Jr. has been their best lineman to this point. Jonah Williams has been certainly competent at right tackle. I think Alex Kappa is going to to hit another gear. Still, we we's. He last year it took him a little bit to get adjusted with Lyle. It might be the same with Jonah, and, and and not that he's played bad because he hasn't. But I just I think he had his best season last year and was their best lineman. And I think he's going to to hit another level. And so we know how steady Ted Karras is. Like 
if Cordell Volson is fifth on that list, that's not bad. And yes, defenses are going to go after him. And at the same time, I do think he's the type of guy that's going to learn from it some. Maybe not. Maybe he's just limited. Maybe he struggles at times. It's still so much better than what the Bengals have had that I'm not really concerned about. Certainly them in pass protection. Run game, I think that's completely different, like I said. But pass protection-wise, I think this line can protect for sure. I might be at a four. Four or five, four and a half. I don't think there's halves in in DEFCON levels. But the reason for that is simply that they're doing a lot schematically to protect the offensive line as well in terms of either help, in terms of design. They're doing some things to keep extra guys in protection when they need to. And Joe Burrow is getting rid of the ball by necessity because he can't really extend plays right now. Lightning quick. And the offensive line is doing a good job of holding up for the most part, and, and the sack reduction compared to last year, we've, we've highlighted on this show, there are like 10 fewer sacks through three weeks, and, and it might even be more than that than last year because in the first two weeks last year, I think there were 13 sacks or something crazy like that. Still getting hit a fair amount, still getting some pressure, and, and that's where the concern is for me. It's not like a huge deal. It's just something that I'm starting to – it's starting to elevate my consciousness. They're protecting them schematically by getting rid of the ball quickly, emphasizing quick game, and there's still some issues. So that that's kind of what I'm watching. We're going to see teams teeing off on Cordell Volson. We've seen it for three weeks. There have been plays in each of those three weeks that he would like to have gone a different way, but he's going to be the left guard. That's not going to change either. And like you said... If that's your weak link, that, that's a better weak link than they've had, hopefully, at least. Because I, I do think that he won't play like this for the whole year. He's playing, I think, worse than he did last year right now. Part of that is quality of competition. Uh, sure. uh, but but if that's your weak link, you could do worse. I also don't think that there is concerned about it internally. Which... And, 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 and that's based on... Real, real talk. I will say. I, I think that's fair. That's okay mm-hmm. for me to say. At post Monday night, I, I, I think that uh, PFF grades are one of the many things that get seen, yes. and and so they're, they're aware. And um, most things get seen for what it's worth. I, I'm sure we we've said some stuff that they've said is, is stupid. So I'm not trying to single out PFF. But the point is, is I, I think they look at Cordell Volson and. And what he had to do with Aaron Donald, and they take it every day of the week. Like I said, in and if you listen to the post game show, and I'm, not, I'm sure people are catching up, but Zach Taylor right in front of me, it was a really cool moment. I wish I could have recorded it. It's against rules to just take video in the locker room unless it's an interview. But Zach Taylor just dabs up Cordell, dabs up Orlando Brown Jr., super hype, really excited, and says, "That's what we needed. We needed you to protect him." And uh, he was he was really happy with the, the offensive line. Now, he hadn't watched the film either, but I, I I do think that even post film watch one two three times from this coaching staff that they they're not satisfied with the offensive line, but certainly pleased with how they played, knowing that there's areas that they can improve on as well. I think it's something that they know needs to improve, but they're also always going to be signs of encouragement. That's the thing about watching the tape. When you actually sit down and watch the tape, 
it always will feel different from when you're watching live. You'll notice wins that you miss live. You'll notice losses that you miss live. It's always a different feeling. You're going to come away with a different thought, especially when you know what the assignments are on each play. So we've talked a lot about the trenches. We've talked about this offense a little bit. The defense really won the Bengals a game, of course, against the Los Angeles Rams in week three. They might have to continue to do that if the Bengals offense mm -hmm. continues to be limited in the ways they are by Joe Burrow's injury, by the shotgun game, by the running game. Let's talk about this defense again here coming up next. This, this episode of the Locked on Bengals podcast is brought to you by Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected, and that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical, make sure you have that medication in hand, and it's simple. They'll handle everything for you from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. They make it easy, and they'll help you not get caught unprepared. Right now, you can get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using our promo code Locked On at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Promo code locked on for $20 off. All right, Jake, let's get to this defense and I'll answer your tease, even though you, you kind of answered it. I don't know, question statement form. They're absolutely going to have to win with defense. And you look at their opponents coming up, and I, I think it works. I think it works over the next three weeks going into the bye, certainly, because your, your two road opponents, one, Ryan Tannehill's offensive line isn't great. No. And, and, and that's putting it very lightly. It, you think Cordell Volson would be a concern in Tennessee. They, they have a lot of concerns in the trenches there. And so when you have that with a limited quarterback who's healthy and questionable weapons. Uh, the Bengals have been really good at shutting down Derrick Henry. I, I think you could ask this defense to do that, and we can focus on that matchup more in the coming episodes. But even Arizona, I, I think same thing on the road. And then you're at home for Seattle, and I think that's big for the defense. Instead of having to go on the road and, and deal with the Seahawks there, welcoming them to Paycor Stadium, I think this defense is in position now that they've – got their groove back a little bit and we kind of expected that against the Rams and they were able to do so. I think they could have a really, really nice stretch here over the next three weeks. Trey Hendrickson, absolutely dominant on Monday night football. As anyone who listened to our recap knows he did not have his greatest game against the Baltimore Ravens in week two against the backup left tackle. He had one sack in that game. It was a race by a penalty didn't end up impacting the game. We've talked about that as well. Charlie Jones then promptly returned a punt for a touchdown uh, when the Bengals got off the field on that drive anyway, but didn't make enough of an impact in week two when they needed him to in an advantageous matchup. Week three, he makes the most of his chances, is an absolute terror, has two more sacks erased by penalty, still finishes with two sacks. Numerous other plays we discussed in the postgame show that he impacted. We'll have to continue to do that. I tweeted during the game, talked about this on yesterday's show as well. The Titans running Andre Dillard out there, left tackle. He has not been great this year. You talk about the issues on the Titans offensive line. It's across the board, but that is a matchup that we will be circling this week. 
the Arizona Cardinals, you talk about the defense being able to win you that game. Yes, I, I think that that makes sense. It's hard to know with this Arizona Cardinals team right now. They've been better than expected. They're, they're still not a good football team, but they did just take care of business against the Cowboys, who were dramatically favored in that game, though dealing with injuries of their own. But still, they, they've played some teams tough here. Two one-score losses, four points to the Commanders, who just got blown out, three points to the Giants, who probably aren't very good. But then they beat the Cowboys, and it is on the road. And Jonathan Gannon uh, se- seems to have those guys playing well, but your defense against an offense that is kind of lacking dudes, you, you would hope can step up. A running quarterback there, though, which has been an issue for the Bengals. However, I, I certainly agree with those two. Being back at home against Seattle gives the defense a much better shot. They really feed on the energy at Paycor Stadium. Agree with that as well. But that one is going to be a much more challenging test. Seattle in their last two games has scored 37 points against the Lions and the Panthers. Not that those are necessarily world crushers on defense, but the Lions have some guys on defense at least. And, mm-hmm. and they put up 37 on the road in that comeback win. Week one, not so good. 13 points against the Rams at home. So we'll see. We'll see how that Seattle team progresses. But it could be tough. And the defense, for, for the offense, I mean, in, in each of these games, just because of their limitations that we've discussed. So they're going to need the defense to continue to step up, capitalize on opportunities and create opportunities like we saw them do last night. I think the Bengals are prepared for that too. Like they know mentally that this is going to be an ugly stretch potentially. That doesn't mean you don't win, but 19 to 16 isn't necessarily how they would love to play. The 16, of course, but they would want 29, and that's realistic when they're healthy, and they still may get it. Look, they they left some points on the board. Mm -hmm. The the, the interception, which was just a crazy – crazy play um you, you mentioned not finishing some of those drives and having to settle for field goals like th- they easily could score in the mid-20s which is normal nfl offense in, in this day and age when you're not the miami dolphins dropping 70 like they're devin booker or kobe bryant or clay thompson or who else has scored 70 over the past few years you get my point so it's um the bengals going into week three I said, if you could get three of four, you'd feel really good. And you got the hard one. I, th- I think that was a really tough one. Monday night, Burrow, you don't know what to expect. Backs against the wall. I get you're at home, but the pressure was on the Bengals to win that game. Now can you go to Tennessee and beat a, a team in, in, in led by Mike Vrabel, a really good coach, in my opinion, solid defensive front, and a team that has its back against the wall a bit. So it's going to be a tough one. It will be. And the defense obviously has a lot to say about it. At the same time, the offense, one of the reasons the defense was able to thrive in week, in week three is because the offense, and Joe Burrow talked about this in his press conference, a point that we haven't discussed at length, the offense controlled the clock in this game. Mm-hmm. They, they kept the defense off the field a little bit. They gave them some rest. The defense took themselves on the, off the field as well in, in some very short drives a few times forcing a, a few three and outs in the first half they had that one play drive getting that interception uh didn't buy them much of a break unfortunately as the Bengals went three and out I think this is where they had the offensive pass interference right after that interception as they took a deep shot in a sudden change situation but giving those guys a chance 
to, to play with a lead obviously changes the game. We saw that in a big way this week, and, and that's going to matter a lot in the next couple of weeks. Teams that are going to want to run the ball in some way, shape, or form in the Arizona Cardinals and Tennessee Titans. You get out and you can play with a lead in those games. You can you can let this defensive line go to work. You can let Luana Rumo go to work with some of the creative stuff that he's doing, both in the front and in coverage. And and the game generally feels very different. And I think that yeah. was very apparent. It's not just on the defense that they can certainly do their part. And I think they've done honestly a valiant job in the situations they've been in this year. But it's complimentary football too. It's never as simple as one unit. Charlie Jones. Got to talk about Charlie Jones before we get out of here. I'll stop talking now for a second. But complimentary football is a point that I'm landing on. Yeah, Charlie Jones. Chuck Sizzle. I was really excited about him. And honestly, I think he I think it's fair to say not I don't want to say underwhelmed the the staff and the team coming in, but you just assumed veteran going to be plug and play. And I think it just took a little longer for him to to feel comfortable transitioning from being primarily an outside receiver to a slot receiver in the pros because he played outside a ton, but heck catches a pass, obviously looks comfortable as a punt returner. It feels like he's going to break one. I mean, yesterday I thought he was breaking like four. It it, it was, it was really good. And you know, that's a testament to him. That's a testament to the special teams unit. And, And so you, you hope on the other side of this, just since we're talking special teams now, that Brad Robbins can get more and more comfortable because I, I think they know he has the talent and, and it's just not fully translating yet. So that that's the the next step, I think, for Darren Simmons' unit. Yeah, it's the same issue it's been for Robbins. Hopefully it improves. That's really all we've got on Robbins at this point. I doubt the Bengals really address it anytime soon. They spend a draft pick there. Robbins has been sure. the punter. Uh, you know, I think that's just the situation you're in. The Charlie Jones point I wanted to make really quickly here as we wrap up is he directly led to points for the Cincinnati Bengals. It wasn't flashy, but first half, the Rams punt from their own 19 to the Cincinnati 30. They get a 51-yard punt, minute 24 on the clock. Charlie Jones gets a 10-yard return to the 40. Yep. The Bengals go 26 yards in in six plays. This is where Joe Burrow has to spike the ball after taking a sack on second and 10 with 42 seconds left. But because of Charlie Jones adding those 10 yards, the Bengals get a chance at a long field goal. Evan McPherson kicks a 53-yard field goal later in the game. Fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, fourth quarter. Another 55-yard punt from the Rams out of their own end zone. Tough place to kick, for sure. Tough place to execute as a punter in a special teams unit. Charlie Jones, 19-yard return to the LA 40. The Bengals go just five yards. But because of Charlie Jones getting that 19-yard return in that spot, the Bengals were able to kick a 54-yard field goal. 10-point margin of victory. Chuck Sizzle. Shout-out Charlie Jones. Good, Good note to finish on. Things obviously aren't perfect with this team. And there are some fans saying, you know, we're being too positive about things where there's clearly room for improvement. Easy to be positive after a win, though, right? Obviously, things need to be better. We're in a, and this is where the expectations adjustment idea comes from for me, for this team, a survival mode, I think, a little bit until things can stabilize. Hopefully, Joe Burrow continues to get healthier, continues to get more reps in in practice and things continue to trend in the right direction like we've seen from second halves in the last two games 
and they find their footing a little bit, as we've seen from them in the last two seasons. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Quick pivot this week. We've got a short week, so we've got crossover Thursday coming up already tomorrow. Tennessee Titans road trip in week four. We've got that tomorrow on Lockdown Bengals. Until then, thanks for listening to this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Who day? And have a good one.